0: Assalamu alaikum. This is Sheikh Ibrahim, and this is the Sufi Sobet Podcast. A Sobet is a spiritual discussion about the teachings in Sufism. Today, we'll be talking about forgiveness, the two wings of the inner and outer worlds, and about the heart, and how to listen to it, and how to protect it. Let's start off with Hafez. This one is called Zikr. Remembrance lowers the cup into his luminous sky well. The mind often becomes plagued and can deny the all-pervading beauty of God. When the great work of Zikr is forgotten, I have chained my every dancing atom into a divine seat in the Beloved's tavern. What I have learned, I am so eager to share. Every ill will confess it was just a lie. When the golden efforts of your love lift the precious wine to your mouth, remembrance of our dear friend, Lowers the soul's chalice into God. Look, my sweet efforts and His sublime grace have now turned creation into a single finger on my hand, and from the vast reservoirs in my heart and palms, Afaz offers Allah. I have a story and I have something from Secret of Secrets I want to share, and we'll talk about this, quote, and whoever obeys Allah and the messenger, they are with those upon whom Allah has bestowed favors from among the prophets and the truthful and the faithful and the righteous and a goodly company are they. One who cannot find this knowledge in their being will not become wise even if they read a million books. The benefit for which one may hope in acquiring the outer knowledge of self-evident things is perhaps paradise. There, all that will be seen is the manifestation of divine attributes in shapes of light. No matter how perfect their knowledge of the visible and conceivable may be, it will not help anyone to enter into the sanctity of the sacred place, the place close to Allah, for one has to fly to that place, and to fly one needs two wings. The true servant of Allah is the one who flies to that realm with the wings of the outer and the inner knowledge never stopping on the way never being distracted by anything in their flight Allah speaking through his prophet says my servant if you wish to enter the sanctuary of my intimacy do not pay attention either to this world or to the higher world of the angels not even to the higher realms where you may receive my divine attributes. So I'd like to know how you understand this. And if you want me to reread any part of it again.
1: Assalamualaikum. alaikum, it's Katie here.
0: Yep. Good to see you. I'm Katie. Good to see you all. Okay, so we're just discussing something I read from... Abdul Abdel- Al sorry, Asrat Abdul Qadr al Jalani's secret of secrets. So did you understand that, Ellie? Uh yeah,
2: yeah. Um you need two wings to fly. <laughs> um so it, it was nice, you need a yeah, outer wing and the inner wing. Um what 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 was the, the outer wing?
0: The outer that wing that like he was talking about was being able to see Allah's manifestations around us, recognizing that they are showing us ways of, of understanding Allah. So through observation, through experience, through being a human being in this world, and experiencing directly through this, you know, both the the monkey monkey suit, and through our divine attributes of being able to uh, see both uh, the the very obvious kinds of things and the subtlety with Allah. When we say Ya Latif, when we talk about that as part of our zikr, what we're saying is that we're trying to understand Allah in the subtle aspects. The obvious ones are pretty clear, you know, uh, and, and being what one mountain climber called us as being just kind of a a, kind of a tomato you know very very uh it doesn't take much for us to splat so being able to distinguish the the true and the false the good and the bad being and then being able from the subtle parts of that to see Allah in all these 99 different kinds of manifestations like Yahasi, uh, the accounting, uh, you know, the mathematics that are going on continuously that shows Allah's justice is permanent. It's it, it works. Otherwise, that wall might turn into a cat or, uh, you know, float per- perpendicular for a little while. So so we're like from that, idea? we're able to learn to trust Allah. Sorry, what?
3: Sorry, Shay. I was just saying I do like the idea that those things are possible though.
0: <laughs> yes. In in one of the other universes, that happens all the time.
2: And so it's the, the inner wings, are they the um are they the the subtle things you're talking about, or is that something else again?
0: The the inner world is um, we can talk about it in terms of why the book is called Secret of Secrets is that is what your connection is to Allah. The heart is your connection to Allah. And that is that is the secret of secrets. That's the greatest jewel in, in the universe, to know that you're connected to Allah, that you have access to that. And that's, that is your, your knowledge and how you know Allah and that nobody can interfere with that. That's the secret of secrets. So between you and Allah, that is a relationship. And what we wanna do is increase that. That's what Hafez was talking about, that kind of relationship. So that's the inner knowledge. And Allah, once you, you learn how to trust Allah and learn how to understand what he's saying in your heart, then that becomes inner knowledge. And you begin to see things both from the inner and the outer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Yasmin?
2: Yeah, I, I, um, uh, Agree with Ellie, but I, I guess what I'm thinking with if you're talking about justice is sometimes it's very difficult to accept justice or perceive justice or suffering. And the unfairness from a human point of view. So what how does it apply? I mean, how does one deal with that? and how does one um, transform it as being allowed, you know, if you continue doing things, having the trust that everything will work out? because sometimes it doesn't?
0: I'm going to give this one to Moi.
3: Really? <laughs> mm. I've been thinking about this a lot two years recently, so. Get, oh, okay. I get what you're doing, where you're coming from. You can say everything's gonna work out, but what do you mean by that? Work out for whom? And in what way do we expect it to work out? And how are we disappointed when it doesn't work out the way we expect? And what do we consider good? And what does the lark consider good? And are they the same thing?
2: Well, that's the contention, isn't it? So, for example, if somebody's life—I mean,
3: not necessarily
2: mine—you know, I don't really care. Um, but anyway, if somebody else's life, you know, just seems to be like. It's just not being fair, you know, without going into details, Um, you know, and and they spend their whole lifetime then being afraid of doing anything because of the um, failure or or, or whatever they've received, you know, Um, and then suddenly they reach an age where it's too late for anything to happen. And it could be anything, you know, it could be academic achievements PhD you know that type of thing where there has been no recognition or acknowledgement or there's been unfairness or you know some sort of racism or, or whatever um, so you know so I suppose in judging the fairness or the unfairness of course that's coming from my head and my naps right but it's it's like how do you go beyond that?
3: How do, you, how do you think you go beyond
2: that? Well, you you continue just thinking of Allah and having trust, but geez, it's difficult sometimes, you know. So anyway, we I just you know from my point of view, and again, I'm, I'm being ego coming in here, is you know. I just feel the best thing to do is to have conversations with Allah, you know. I write letters to Allah all the time and doing them.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, here, here's a couple of things that I've got so far. You're asking, if I understand this correctly, what is fair? No, not necessarily.
2: No. Okay. Okay. What I'm saying is, how come there are some people? suffer so much like nothing goes straight in their lives right whether it's job it's you know um living conditions you know whatever so i'm not asking what is what is fair and what is unfair i guess really this is about my perceived judgment as opposed to allah's perceived
0: judgment okay How do we learn? Now, when we're watching another person and it seems like things are not going their way, we don't know what Allah has, first of all, has planned for that person, what that person needs to learn, because that's not given us to know. So we cannot, and it's not our business either. Uh, That's between them and Allah. And perhaps there's a lot of learning going on, or the opportunity to learn that that person has to go through. And if we interfere with that in some way, we're really interfering with between them and a law. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try, or that you know, if it's if it comes to us that we do what we can, what we think is uh, the right thing to do, but. Um, we we don't know what's going on. It reminds me of the story about the the boy and the butterfly or the caterpillar. Did I tell you that story, Yasmin? No.
2: Yeah, I don't think
0: so. Okay, I don't remember that. Okay in in a in in a primary school, very often uh, the children would get a uh, a jar. Uh, and a caterpillar and they would feed it and then at a certain time it would form into a chrysalis and for several weeks just be all wound up in that silk and then of course it's time for them to emerge and you know transform into a butterfly however this young boy thought he'd help out the butterfly got out a sharp knife and cut open the chrysalis because he could see it was starting to move so he thought he'd help and so as he did the butterfly emerged from it tried to move its wings but it hadn't had enough practice inside the chrysalis to strengthen its muscles to fly so it died. (laughs) that's the story
2: okay i I hear what you're saying you know but i mean what's the gestation period i mean look you know maybe it's a conversation i just need to think about and absorb you know i mean we're talking about 50 70 years of someone's life you know um and and you know we're probably talking something that's happened i don't know six weeks or whatever you know so um. Anyway, it's probably
0: complicated. Shake. Sorry, asked. It's okay. That's all right. But you know, there's people who do things to people, and Allah doesn't interfere with that. That's not His job, or her job, their job. Our job is to learn how to be better human beings, and so Allah doesn't interfere with that, so that we can make choices and learn from our choices. Allah made us to make mistakes. That's how we learn. But if we don't learn from our mistakes, then something's wrong. So part of, part of our job is to learn <laughs> what our mistakes are. And as a matter of fact, that was gonna be one of my questions for today. Are you learning from your mistakes? That's to. a totally open question. Really
2: trying to. Well, well I think the start is, I mean, I, I think maybe sometimes one doesn't, but I think being becoming aware of the mistakes. That's the first step, yes. Yeah, you know, and then just keep working on them until you get get to a point. But it's not always that easy is oh nobody said it was going to be easy yeah because they're habits that you
0: know just seem to be embedded all right so let's take this back one step and say how do you recognize when you what your lesson is
3: now for me it starts with the feeling of if we're talking about something that I've done wrong, it starts with the feeling of remorse or regret, which tells you that you've made a mistake. And then some mistakes are easy to learn from and fix. And others are really entrenched repetitive behaviors and patterns that have been with you for a long time that are difficult to change and fix and you can struggle with them for a long time because sometimes there's underlying psychological or emotional reasons why you're in this habitual space there's you know opportunity and um you know availability like for example if someone's always putting chocolate in your fridge you might always eat and be always going to the chocolate fridge you know, and getting the chocolate as a self-soothing kind of mechanism. Um, so there's like, but if the chocolate's not there, even if you feel bad, you, you, you can't eat it. So it's like looking at, there's a couple of, um, Liliana, because she's a psychologist, talks about like biology, psychology and sociology coming into all behaviours. So there's the inherent, what your tendencies are. Then there's the psychology that you've developed. And then there's also the social and environmental conditions around you. And all of those things need affect our behavior. So I think it's like, Shay, sometimes you tell, talk about when you go through the levels of maps, you go first, it's everybody else's fault, society's fault. And then you're like, oh, it's all my fault. I'm evil. And then there's like, well, actually there's kind of a interplay between those things. Some things are your choices. Some things are not really choices. Some things are the way, the way the world is around you. And then there's how you choose to interact with that. And then there's the things that happen to you and how, you know, how do you deal with your stresses and your problems in life and, what kind of choices do you make around that? Good. So it's, I guess what I'm saying is one of the reasons why I'm starting to realize one of the reasons why it's so difficult to change some behaviors is because there really are complex reasons why those behaviors happen. And they're not, it's not like sort of the old, you know, just say no to drugs kind of thing. (laughs) Like, because, you can, if you if you look at it that way, then it just becomes a, a war of willpower, and human beings aren't very good at willpower. <laughs> like, you know, just fighting everything with with straight willpower is is very difficult. What I've
0: been hearing lately, uh, in regard to specifically that, is one of the things that we do when we see a pattern and what and and even though it may be based on social cultural familial and personal proclivities that what we do is we create a story and that story is what we continue to tell ourselves in even though it may no longer be true yet because it provides a a shape a pattern that so, we can yeah. recognize.
3: Mm.
0: We keep telling ourselves that story.
3: Sometimes the story is more harmful than the behavior itself.
0: Absolutely. So what I'm thinking about, and this is, this is just recently, is that we first have to be able to see what the story is. We have to recognize it mm. and then say, is this story appropriate or true or helpful? And if it isn't, then we need to rethink what we want to tell ourselves about that. Um, for example, uh, I was just listening to a podcast uh, called uh, The uh, Hidden Brain uh, on NPR. And he was talking about a Nobel Prize winner who continued to continually ask questions and annoy people with these questions, which were, how do you know it's true? And the thing is, is that we there's no way we can know anything that's true because we have a black box here. We have no idea and no way to confirm reality. All we have is neurons in this area here that are connected to some sensory input and output. And that we are reliant on that. But that's all. That's where the heart comes in. The heart is another way. When we're talking about inner and outer, Ellie, about the two wings, there's also the way of thinking in this duality that there's brain stuff with garbage in, garbage out kind of thing. You know, we, we have input and output. But the heart is another way of determining the truth of something. Something may, may be true linearly, but not in a heartful way. In other words, in, in Sufism, what we try to do is get the inner and the outer, these two wings, in coordination, in, um, in synchronous uh, pulses, that, that our intentions and our actions are coherent. Because you can do an action, but in your mind you're going, oh, people see me as being a good person because I just gave this bum a you know a dollar. You know. You 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 blew the action. You you poisoned it because you thought it was about you. Whereas if you do it, this is for the sake of Allah, this person's from Allah, this is for Allah's sake. You've brought the action and attention together. You brought the heart, because the heart feels Uh, fulfilled when you do something for Allah's sake, like zikr, you know, or or you know, any kind of charity, generosity, or helping other people. The heart feels fulfilled when you do it for yourself, you're cutting off the heart and you're going, you know, it's just me here. And that then continues, if that continues, that results in disconnection. And when you're disconnected, you feel depressed, anxious, and stressed, and worried. The heart is happiest when it is fulfilling the needs of Allah. Does that relate? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, Katie.
1: How do you know? Um, what does it feel like to because the ego is a funny thing and the mind is a funny thing it tends to trick itself that I'm so humble I'm so true and I'm so this time I'm really I have the purest of intent how do you know what pure intent actually feels like versus What it feels like in the body, what does truth actually feel like? Because I I really sometimes struggle to reconcile that. You know, you read like some nice Hafiz poetry, you reflect on it, it means something in that moment to you. And then I go and tell my family about it. And then I wonder how much of that is actually me trying to sound smart versus share something. So it's that daily thing, like how how do I stay more in the truth and less in the ego? And I don't, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense.
0: No, absolutely. It makes sense. That's, that's kind of the the trick, isn't it? Of living, living a spiritual, heartful life in the midst of, uh, a land where everybody is concerned about themselves. That's, (laughs) uh, that's the dilemma. And, uh, this is also part of how how you choose to do that. The way I think of it is that the heart is the most important, uh, precious, most precious jewel that we have. When that's forgotten, everything else seems worthless or useless or or not important or it just there's no value the heart when it feels how can i say this i was going to say seen but um listened to when the heart's listened to there is a feeling of fulfillment because you're connected to a law that way that's where you connect with the law and it's very easy to get distracted and 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 do what everybody else is doing this requires detachment from from the culture and from the family and from expectations and to and requires focus meditation reflection and zikr to reconnect with the heart The heart, when you feel it, knows that it's being seen because you feel fulfilled. You feel like I am here for Allah's sake. I am just a, you know, I'm here. I am Allah's eyes and ears. I am Allah's sensory piece here to be able to participate in life. I'm part of that. But when you think me, it's all about me, then. You've just shut off that connection, and you and you get worried. And the the real worry is that you you've lost that little that, that very important transmitter and receiver in the heart. That's what connects you to reality. This doesn't. This is this is just a uh, uh, onboard computer. So. The other question I was going to ask or talk about, I, wasn't, I didn't know I was going to get to it, but it's about how do I access my heart? One of my Myriads asked that question. And it was kind of like, good question. That is a good question. And here's what my Sheikh said. He said, when you don't feel your heart, there's usually some, as Bowie was talking about, regret or, or some kind of remorse that settled in because someone or something or you has been hurt. When we hurt, when we when we're in pain, we tend to want to fight off the pain some in some form, whether it's through anger or vengeance or, or, or just, you know, going to hide in a closet. Or you know, I just don't don't look at me. I just want to hide away. Kind of feeling, so that we we can lick our wounds and see what we could do to feel better. So, one of the very important parts about secret of secrets here that Abdul Karim al talks about is learning how to forgive, and forgiveness is one of those big big secrets that is very important. In our zikr, we say estafralah, but even in the Quran it says if you do just do estafral, if you just say forgive me and you don't have a specific instance it really has no significance. There's no effort being put out to ask Allah to be forgiven for something that you've done or something that somebody has done to you. Therefore, Sometimes it's important to do a when you recall a hurt, where you need to forgive somebody for doing something, or that you did to somebody else. And when when you see that, and it happens to me, at least once or twice a day, you know, I go, "Oh my God! I just remembered! I just did this to somebody else, or somebody did this to me," and I start saying a Forgive me, Allah. Forgive me, Allah. And what you're doing is you're saying, I, I recognize a mistake and I want to correct it. Um, I was wrong or they were wrong, but I want I want to resolve that. The, the effort and intention to ask for forgiveness is what starts the process of forgiveness. It doesn't just happen because you say estafalá. That that that's that's like saying sofa, 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 sofa. Uh, uh, there's no energy there. To connect with Allah, to ask for forgiveness, you say, "This person hurt me. I please, I'll, I'll for Allah. please forgive them, Allah. Please forgive them." Or I did something to somebody, and I said something that was abusive, or I didn't understand what I was doing, and now I see that I did it. And I'm sorry, I, I, I recognize my mistake. Please forgive me. Now, the thing is, is that sometimes doesn't relieve the suffering. That, and that suffering, in this case, is you can't feel your heart. It's like uh, it's been described as stones in the heart. And what you want to do is soften that up. And you soften it up by continually asking forgiveness. Questions?
3: Comments? Service is good too. Especially if you feel that you're the one who's let Allah down or other people down. Sometimes Mm. it's easier to, I find, to try and work it off or like... For myself, like it feels like I need to kind of earn the trust back, um or earn my my own connection back. So, trying to do things for others puts me in that mindset of it's not about me, which helps. Oh, sorry. Speaking of that, I gotta go pick up the baby. She's awake. Bye, everybody. Bye. Love you. See ya. Thank Break. you. So long. So, what he's saying is. Uh, in
0: this idea of service, how do, how do I get out of the way? I'm obviously in the way. And I'm always, I'm thinking about me. Part of the practice is by helping other people, by being of service to anybody else. And what this does is then you're not thinking about you. You're being, uh, you're, you're, you're working for the sake of your heart so that it feels so that you can connect with it and feel it. Otherwise, you know, life is kind of pointless. So doing things for other people um, and it, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It can just be listening to somebody talk or it can be a hug or it can be like a massage or or serving coffee or tea or something. It doesn't matter what it is, but you're doing it for the sake of your heart and because it makes the other person happy or safe or trustful or trusting and for me that's smart because what you're doing is you're creating peace and if we want peace in the world we have to do it one at a time from ourselves to other people to show them what peace looks like and to be working towards peace it's a one-on-one kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yasmin?
1: Yes, Shay. Yes,
0: okay. KD, does that help? Very much so. When, when you can be of service to somebody, and it doesn't have to be like a big deal, you know, and and very often if you say, I want to be of service, Allah says, really? Okay. See that person over there you're driving by? S- stop because they need to change their tire. Why don't you help them? There you go. And, and and you're not doing it to make yourself feel good. You're doing it because your heart feels at peace when you do that. You feel like, oh, this is what being a human being is. Helping each other. And, uh, yeah. It's simple. <laughs> but we make it really complicated.
2: Um, can I ask about the forgiveness? So, to forgive somebody else, do you say, do you ask Allah to forgive that person? Yes. I mean, are you, are you forgiving that person, or are you asking Allah to
0: forgive that person? If you if you feel that it is within your ability to forgive that person, yes. If you feel this is something you cannot forgive, then you ask Allah to forgive them. Okay. You know, if somebody's done if something done a heinous crime, you know, that you you, you feel like, is like this, I I can't forgive that, then we have to ask Allah, please forgive them because I, I can't. That's not something I can do. Okay.
2: But if, if you're able to forgive, I mean, yes. is one better than the other? Or? No. No. Okay. okay.
1: Yeah, really. to try. <laughs> yeah. Why, why? Why do you have to ask Allah to forgive them? Because wouldn't Allah just forgive them? Because Allah's creation.
0: This is about you, in your heart. Think of it like a circuit. That for forgiveness to happen, you have to initiate the circuit, so that you're you're you it, because it has to do with a relationship of some kind between you and another person or between you know within yourself or whatever this is a this is a a circuit that needs to be bridged by allah allah of course allah is taking care of everything but what we're trying to do is bring our to connect with our heart and to connect with our heart, we need to make it smooth and soft so that we can hear it and so that we can feel it. And and that kind of feeling is what love is. When you are in love, you're feeling your heart. It's almost like the head is kind of in the way. There's just, just the heart wants to connect with the other heart. That's love. So what we're trying to do is re ignite the love in our heart. It's gotten cold because something's been hurt within us and we close off when we're hurt. And what we want to do is reopen, you know, just like in, in, in the body, you know, you get cold, uh, all the vessels constrict. They're, they're constricted because The blood's not flowing, and we want to warm it up, open, dilate. Yeah. So to warm things up, we need to open the circuit. And asking for forgiveness is the the initiate the switch switch on because we need to initiate that within our heart for the heart to be received that yes sometimes it takes months sometimes years to forgive ourselves or another person but you know be patient when it happens it's kind of like you feel it in your heart you feel like Oh thank god that's that's a relief. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> Bismillahir rahim. wa Inna alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Mm. See you next week.
2: See you next week, Sheikh.
1: Two weeks. Bye bye. Two weeks, oh. right?
2: Two weeks. Four. Two
1: weeks. Okay.
0: That's right.
1: See you yeah. Bye bye. Bye everybody. Bye.
0: Laikum Marids, seekers, curious, and interested listeners. We appreciate you and are happy to share our Sufi message. Your donation will help support our Sufi Center in Sydney, where we do zikr, sobet, spiritual counseling, and healing services. We believe the message should be free, but it costs equipment rental services, software, and hardware to get this to you. So thank you for choosing our podcast among all the millions available. If you go to our website, AnsariSufiOrder.org, you will be able to donate through PayPal whatever you think this information is worth to you. Blessings and love, the Australian Ansari Sufi Order.